All right, so <laughs> this is Matt Trueblood. It's Friday, March 1st, and I talked yesterday about how it didn't seem like Bryce Harper would sign, so I'd probably sort of veer off the news cycle with you today. I'm not going to do that because Bryce Harper did sign. I also talked about how I had a new setup for recording on the go. I don't have it with me today, so I'm back to just speaking right into my phone. If the sound quality was better yesterday, I'll go back to it on uh, on Monday. But for today, this is our only option, so it's what I'm going to do. Because we got to talk some ball. This is pretty cool. I had forgotten sort of how good it can feel to just have a move to talk about. Something that you don't have to weigh, you know, too many negatives and externalities into. It's just a delightful baseball story. Uh, And I know there are people who are choosing to make another labor outcry out of this to point out the extremely flat uh, structure of the 13-year, $330 million deal. The fact that the last few years he's getting $22 million a year and inflation is likely to have eaten some percentage of the value of those dollars by then. I don't care. (laughs) I don't think you should care. I don't think that we should sweat things like this that much. Uh, You know, labor issues are extremely important, especially for baseball overall and for minor leaguers and for players who haven't yet reached free agency. But whether Bryce Harper chose to take a short, extremely high annual average value deal or to go to the Phillies and say, this is where I live for the next an entire child's school career, uh, I don't think it should concern us terribly. I think he made the choice that felt best for him. And it's very cool that he made one that didn't involve any opt-outs, didn't prize flexibility the way some recent Scott Boris deals have. He just took a whole bunch of money to become a key part of a team that is going in the right direction already. So I'm going to finish what I started yesterday, a sort of drooling praise of the Phillies offseason. I can't underscore enough how much I like the moves they made to set up this deal and then the deal itself. Uh, I wrote the transaction analysis for the Harper deal at baseballprospectus.com. You can head over to the website and check that out yourselves. Um, But essentially, the the thing from that that I want to talk about most is how well these moves that they've made this winter fit together. They've created an extremely dynamic OBP forward offense, and yet one with a ton of power upside. We saw, especially last year, But really, over the last two years, a transition, a growth, a development in JT Realmuto's batted ball profile, he's turning into a well-above-average power hitter, in addition to being a guy who makes plenty of contact within the zone, 
can use his athleticism to create hits, all of those things. And now they add Harper into that mix with McCutcheon, who's on base skills I talked about yesterday. And I really, in particular, like the nimbleness of the moves they made prior to this Harper one to set the stage for it. In trading Carlos Santana and J.P. Crawford and other stuff to bring in Gene Segura, they improved defensively at shortstop. And they added a guy who makes contact to an offense that had too much swing and miss pretty often last year. But they also, by moving Santana out, allowed Reese Hoskins to move in from left field where he was a defensive nightmare, to first base. And when they supplemented that move by signing Andrew McCutcheon to play left field, they created, they essentially replaced Santana's on-base skills in McCutcheon and improved dramatically at both first base and left field overall because McCutcheon is such a defensive upgrade over... Hoskins and left. They did all those things. And now, really what what was missing from a top of the order that, however you slot them, can include McCutcheon, Segura, Real Muto, Hoskins. All that was missing was a left-handed power bat to break up the set. And that's exactly what Harper does. Now, I don't think he's going to bat right in the middle of those five all the time. In fact, Gabe Kapler is a delightfully uh, progressive builder of lineups. And the one that I imagined for them in my piece at BP was McCutcheon at the top, Harper second. Uh, I believe I slotted in Segura third. No, Hoskins third. Real Muto fourth. Segura fifth. And then Odebel Herrera and... Michael Franco with Cesar Hernandez, who has plenty of on-base talent himself, especially if last season's numbers were affected as much as people seem to believe they were by the foot injury he was playing through. I think they'll bury Hernandez ninth beneath the pitcher and let him be a second leadoff hitter, getting on base and, and sparking things for McCutcheon and Harper back at the top. That all comes together so nicely, and it, it's not just in 2019 that things look great for them now. Yes, they have Real Muto for just one more year beyond that, but Hoskins is going to be around for another, is it five seasons, before even if he doesn't sign any sort of extension. McCutcheon's obviously on a three-year deal, and you know he may age out of being an effective player before that deal is up, but on balance, given the level this guy has been at, the way he takes his at-bats, there's a good chance that he's still a productive guy who's getting on base through the end of that deal. Segura is not a short-term addition. I believe there are three years left on his deal. Obviously, we know how Harper fits in. And then that's where it becomes important, too, that they signed Aaron Nola to that extension earlier this spring to get 
Nola locked in at the front of the rotation opposite this lineup with still a pretty healthy amount of pitching in the system. You know, Sixto Sanchez, a lot was made of the loss of him, but even if you believe he was their best pitching prospect, it's not that they don't have any others. So this is a team that is set up to rival the Nationals for supremacy in the NL East this year. I think at Baseball Prospectus, we now have them alone in first place. I would put them on just about equal footing with the Nats at this moment, but I could certainly be convinced to nudge them ahead. And going into the future, whereas you might have had concerns that their rebuild, which has already been underway for however many years, wasn't bearing a ton of fruit as, you know, appealing, I guess, as Juan Soto or Victor Robles or Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, those types of guys who are also in the division, uh, at this point, it almost doesn't have to. Uh, You don't want to let this team stagnate and get old on you. But right now, there's not a lot of risk of that, just based on their profiles and based on the fact that the guy you've locked into the center of it all is only 26. And by every account, still improving. So I love what the Phillies have done here. They're obviously a a co-favorite in the National League at this point for 2019. We can talk a little about what it means for the Dodgers and Giants not to have landed Harper. It means less for the Giants as much as I liked the concept of them spending on him and sort of pounding on the springboard with their rebuild, uh, you know, they were not going to be a relevant team in most scenarios this coming season. If their veteran core has a bounce back as almost as a group and plays up to their potential this year, they might still fall just short and then we'll wonder why they didn't pony up the extra money to lock in Harper. But they've showed proper restraint and if they can hold on to the guys that age best of this core while also bringing up guys you know Joey Bart their first round pick last year they picked him because of polish and proximity as much as because of upside but he does have that upside he's got a chance to replace Posey in almost almost every important way and slide Posey to first base. They can move Belt along. The Giants' medium to long-term future is still bright. It's just that I think in missing out on Harper, they did see their last chance to make something grand of Bruce Bochy's final year go by the boards. The Dodgers' story is maybe more interesting. I'm fascinated by what they were willing to do, which was reportedly a four-year deal worth $180 million or 170 something in that neighborhood. That's very interesting and would have made, would have made their team as dynamic and, and potentially much stronger than any other team in the league. Uh, but they don't miss him a lot from not having him. You know, I was at the point where they did seem to be 
a serious contender for Harper. I was sketching out lineups that included him. But it almost made everything too crowded. Too crowded with great left-handed hitters. Too crowded with uh, lefties in general. And much too crowded in the outfield. To the point where a guy like Max Muncy or a guy like Chris Taylor was going to lose playing time. Now, that's not actually a problem, except that it creates a, a juggling act that can be costly. And very likely they would have had to move some player permanently along, trade them, or, or find a new home for... I don't even know whom it would have been. But they're fine without Harper. You know, they can go into this season with Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, and... A.J. Pollock projected for the bulk of the outfield playing time. Muncy, Kike Hernandez, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner on the infield. And still plenty of depth all over the place. So it doesn't wound them terribly not to have added Harper. But it certainly speaks to the market that was there for him all along. That once they were at least able to get a meeting... They put an offer that was so creative and aggressive on the table. We can talk more next week. I do have some kind of out-of-the-box, less news-focused things ready uh, for the website and for the podcast. Um, And we'll probably get into them next week, unless Harper signing looses the boulders and Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel and all these... It kind of everyone else suddenly shows up in camp and there's a flurry of late trades. Either way, have a great weekend and I'll talk to you Monday.